Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here. I believe I'm convinced that God's word is able to build you up to do what he has called you to do and to become the person that he has called you to become. Praise God. Now today, let's begin in Psalm 91, one of the most famous, uh, famous chapters and even Psalms in the Bible. And we're going to receive the tithes and offerings first, but I would like for you to see a very special verse. And I would like for you by faith to reach out and make it your own. Claim it. Hallelujah. We're in Psalm 91. Let's go down to verse 14. The scripture says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Watch this with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now the phrase long life uh, in the literal Hebrew means length of days. So God wants to give you long life with satisfaction with long life. I will satisfy him. In other words, it's not like you're Methuselah and you live to be a great old age, but you know, you just, you know, it was just a bunch of years that went by and nothing really that, that was special or stood out. But my friends, God wants to give you length of days, long life, and he wants you to have deep satisfaction in him in fulfilling your call and carrying out your assignment and being involved in his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Now, let me pop up on the screen just for a moment. Those of you that are watching YouTube can see this. Of course, you won't see it if you're listening by podcast or watching on live stream, but uh, you'll see an image. This is a precious woman in the Lord. Her name is Cain Tanaka. And just six days ago, she celebrated her 119th birthday. And by the way, this was confirmed. Her actual birth date has been confirmed by Guinness uh, World Records. She was born January the 2nd, 1903. So she was born in the same year that the Wright brothers first flew out here in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, just on the, uh, uh, out there by the beach of North Carolina, praise God. So she is now 119 years old. Now remember with long life, I will satisfy him or of course her and show him my salvation. Praise God. Now let's look at image number two of Cain, uh, Tanaka and there, on the left, you see her when she was very young, and now you see her today. What a precious woman. And uh, what is not often told when uh, these news articles are posted and so forth is that she is actually a very devout Christian. She deeply loves the Lord Jesus Christ, and she enjoys in her spare time, still today, doing mathematics and board games. She lives in Fukuoka, Japan. And I think it's fascinating because there are many people in Japan that live what we would call long lives. As a matter of fact, in Japan right now, there are over 10,000 Japanese people that are 100 or older. 
Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm. Now reach out and claim this scripture with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. <laughs> now look, you may not have the faith to reach out for 119, okay? And maybe by God's grace, she can make it to 120. Mm -mm. But I do believe that you, you do need to use your faith and reach beyond uh, what many are just willing to check out with, you know, at 75 or 78 or Pastor Stephen, I made it to 80. Okay, that's good. But what if you could go 30 more years? Wow, praise the Lord. By the way, the Japanese people in their culture, particularly those that have lived over 100 years of age, they primarily eat fish, rice, and vegetables. And they stay away from fatty foods. They, they do a lot of walking. Even in their 80s, many of them are still very active. And because of that, their diet and their exercise, they're very, very low levels of obesity. Now, that has changed somewhat with the uh, advent of Western or American fast food uh, being now over in uh, Japan. And uh, I was at, a, where was it, Tokyo Airport and uh, there was the McDonald's, and boy, the Japanese love McDonald's. But the older generation has never eaten uh, those types of food. They still stick with very basic rice, vegetables, and some fish, and uh, they're very, very healthy people. And so I believe that we need to reach out by faith and believe God for this, and at the same time, uh, do those things that line up with the Word of God, of living right, eating uh, in a way that's... that's um, that is, you know, I don't want to say the word restricted, but you're eating wisely. Hallelujah. And you're out uh, doing some walking and just enjoying life. Praise the Lord. Just think, just think about that. Maybe you want to live to be 112. How about this? 112 years and three months in honor of Psalm 112 verse three, that your house will be full of wealth and riches. Woo. <laughs> yes, Pastor Stephen, I like that. That's what I'm going to go for. Well, uh, Make that number something that would be a prophetic number that you can connect your faith to, praise the Lord, and reach out for it. Hallelujah. Now, Corey Tinboom uh, was a woman that greatly understood Psalm 91 and the divine protection that's mentioned in this psalm. And she was a great uh, voice of love and of evangelism to the Jewish people. And she died exactly at the age of 91. Praise the Lord. So your life can be prophetic, but reach out. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I'm 69. I'm ready to check out. No. What if you could squeeze out 40 more years? Woo. Praise God. Mm -mm. That all your critics and all your scoffers will be dead. <laughs> you'll, out have, you'll have outlived them all. <laughs> well, you know, it could be that some others would rise up, but you know, you get older people still, they have to realize they, that person has been doing something right. Even, even if they wouldn't uh, celebrate your walk with the Lord, they still realize that you're in a place of blessing. Hallelujah. Now let's tie this in also with John, uh, excuse me, third John, the epistle, third John, Let's drop down to that little verse two, the very short book here, verse two, or we shouldn't even really call it a book, more of a letter. Verse two, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul 
prospers. So your, your prosperity in life, that would certainly include your finances, because the literal translation of, of prosper, prosperity in the Greek means to have good success. And we've never called the person uh, who's a hobo or a person that is homeless living on the side of the street. You know, we've never called that success. So you have to admit, uh, even if you don't fully embrace what we would call the biblical prosperity, you still have to admit that it would have to touch the area of your finances. But for those of us that know, absolutely, it includes your financial prosperity. I pray that you may prosper and in all things and be in health. So God wants you to have prosperity. God wants you to have health. Glory to God. And in that category of health, disbelieve God to live. How about this? Could you at least, maybe you can't go 119 like Sister uh, Kane Tanaka Maybe you can't go 112, but would you at least reach out by faith today and say, God, I'm going to go over 100 for your glory. Mm -mm. Now, I really believe that many of you can exercise your faith to that. For, uh, for that. And by the way, you, you don't wait until, you know, you're, you have some kind of like, uh, it's all about to come to an end before you start believing. Start believing now. <laughs> Amen. So that your faith is strong. And these things revolve around the way that our soul prospers. In other words, our walk with God, our life in God. So today, as we're going to honor the Lord, and we're going to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God, um, connect with the promises associated with the tither that the Lord, when you tithe, he rebukes the devourer and he's not able to just eat your years up. He's not able to grind and reduce your life down or you check out prematurely or early. No, but you live your life out to the full. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Um, there is a large, large degree, more than most Christians have ever thought of this area of authority and free will where we as individuals, as God's creation and as his sons and daughters, a lot concerning how long we're going to live comes down to what we want. Oh, Pastor Stephen, it's just a predetermined time. And when you hit that day, it's all over with. Um, no, there's all kinds of people throughout scripture who have even negotiated with God. Anybody that would tell you that you can't negotiate with God has never read the Bible. Uh, Abraham negotiated with God. God told Abraham, I'm going to go destroy that city and that city. As a matter of fact, the whole plane, I'm just going to incinerate the whole plane. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy them all. And Abraham began to negotiate with God and, uh, got, uh, the numbers reduced to where if there's just this many righteous people in the city, God said, all right, if you find that many, I'll just spare the whole thing. Well, my friends, there's many scriptures where you can negotiate with God. And if you want to live to be over a hundred, you certainly can. So use your faith, reach out, trust the Lord. And of course, honor the Lord with the tithe. And that way you live a long life of giving God glory. Praise God. Now let's pray. Heavenly father, I pray that you bless your people with longevity and with prosperity. Let their soul prosper in you and in all of the activities of your kingdom. And we give you praise. We thank you that there is a whole group that until the Lord comes back, we'll just keep living and living. And we just give you praise, Father God. There, uh, should the Lord tarry, Father, there could be those that could go to 120. Hallelujah. But Father, we just thank you for longevity and health in Jesus' great name. Amen. Now, 
For those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to uh, go online and bring your tithes and offerings in electronically, you can do so by visiting our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage that says give. It has a red heart on it. And you can go there and click on that, and you'll see the link, the direct link to bring the tithes and offerings in. And you can do so from anywhere in the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. And my friends, let me say a special thank you to everybody that has been sowing towards the Hawaii project, as I have felt a great witness of the Spirit to take the Pure Gold television program, which is on various networks, and get it on the Hawaiian station KWHE, which broadcasts out of Honolulu and covers all five Hawaiian islands, 414,000 homes, and quite a few of you have sown into that, and it would be a great blessing if a few more of you would sow towards that so that we can take the full gospel, God's miracle power through the avenue of the Pure Gold TV program and just spread it all over the Hawaiian islands. Amen. Glory to God. So, Come on, give me a little more of a running start. Hallelujah. And we're already contacting the, uh, the network. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the larger part of that network, which is World Harvest Network, we're already on that. That broadcast on DirecTV, uh, channel 367. We're on that every week on Sunday. Woo, praise the Lord. So they also own the Hawaiian station. So it's just another call of saying, hey, we want the Hawaiian station too. Put us on there. Amen. So we can do it. Thank you for your giving. And as you sow your seed, may God, may God give you the desires of your heart. Mm -mm. I tell you what, we're sowing into some good soil of, of just throwing the gospel out there as a great giant net. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your giving. Hallelujah. Now, if you, if you want to give a special offering into the pure gold to extend into Hawaii, there on the homepage of stephenbrooks.org is an orange link, and it says projects. You can click on that, and you'll see the box for pure gold. Amen. And click on that. You can bring your offering in online. Just write in Hawaii. Type in Hawaii. Or if you want to mail it in and you have a check, just write Hawaii on the check. We will know what to do with it. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. We're expanding. Already this year early, we're expanding. Praise God. Spreading the gospel. Glory. Glory. Praise the Lord. Father, yes, again, bless, bless your people with prosperity and longevity. Woo! In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, just let that go into your spirit. Living a long time with plenty of money. Mm -mm -mm. Don't you know that's true? That's why some people want to check out prematurely. They just want to give up, throw the towel in. Why? They're not having fun in life. They feel defeated. Why? They're not having any fun. They don't have any money. And money, uh, lack of money, don't let anybody kid you and say, oh, uh, money's not important. Money is extremely important because uh, money in so many ways is what enables us to fulfill dreams. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we honor the Lord with our finances. Praise be to God. 
Amen. All right, let's jump into today's message. And I would like for us to go to the first book in the Bible, the book of beginnings. We're going to jump back to Genesis chapter 12. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12. And today's message will prepare you to stand in a place of strength and unshakable support, regardless of what the nation might encounter, your state might encounter, or as many of you live in other countries, what uh, various circumstances your country might go through. I know here in America, uh, we've had fires in uh, Colorado. We've had people lose their homes. We have all, all, you know, various this and that and other. Uh, you also have some countries where the currency is very, very unstable. Uh, to buy a loaf of bread almost takes like a wheelbarrow full of money. And uh, uh, every country has their challenges and some of the problems actually cannot even be fixed by human intellect. And the reason is because the problems have a spiritual root. And until nations and national leaders are willing to do things God's way, it's never going to get fixed. It's going to continue to flounder and fester and in many cases get worse. But my friends, we can escape famine. We can escape the various forms of economic hardship that are in the earth by understanding the power of the revelation of the covenant that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and many others learned to walk in. So today we're talking about escaping famine. Woo, praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we give your word permission to have full entrance into our hearts. And we ask that as the seed of your word is sown on the soil of our hearts, that we would hear it, obey it, that we would walk in it, and that we would reap the one hundredfold return. We give you praise. We thank you for a fruitful life because we are your covenant people in Jesus great name. We say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to see my friends today that God's covenant will distinguish you. It allows you to walk through hardship and to be protected from it. You don't have to be a casualty. You have a way out, and that way out is through the covenant. And I understand that in Western society, it's not like that's a word that we really use very often unless we're using theological-type terms or discussions. But even still, it is a very real subject that we must have understanding of. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine. Please, please say that. Please say famine. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe. Okay, say this. It was a severe famine. You know, there's famines and there's really bad famines. There's hurricanes, and there's really, really bad hurricanes. There's tornadoes in all different categories, uh, and they can get really bad. Okay? So this is a really bad famine. Mm -mm. These types of famines have an effect upon the economies, and they produce difficult situations. They produce uncertainty 
in the minds of many people. But when you are in a covenant, God will always, not sometimes, always, every single time, make a way out for you, and He will show you what it is. Praise God. Now, let's move over to Genesis 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. What in the world happened? How, he, he's in a severe famine. And the next thing you know, he's loaded with wealth. Oh, Pastor Stephen, if the ship goes down, we all go down with it. Not for the covenant man, not for the woman in covenant with God. That ship may go down, but I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to get off this ship. Somehow God's going to have a lifeboat for me. Hallelujah. You do not have to be subjected to the same forms of financial frustration and economic dismay that would impact or hit others who are unaware or disobedient to God's covenant. Praise the Lord. My friends, what we have here between Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 and Genesis chapter 13, verse verses one and two is an absolute prophetic paradox. What is a paradox? A paradox is a situation that despite sound reason leads to a conclusion that seems logically unacceptable. Now I want to read that definition one more time of a paradox. A paradox is a situation. We have a situation right here. Okay. Verse uh, chapter 12, chapter 13, a situation that despite sound reason leads to a conclusion that seems logically unacceptable. In other words, this doesn't make any sense. There's a severe famine. He, he's, he's like, uh, you know, it's going all on all around him. And the next thing you know, he's got silver and gold and all these cattle. Uh, how is this happening? This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. He's going upstream when everything else is being swept downstream. How is he doing this? Mm, I told you the covenant will distinguish you. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Let's talk about it. This is an incredible contrast that doesn't seem to make logical sense. But my friends, when you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will see you will experience that you do not have to suffer like many others do, even within the body of Christ, sadly and unfortunately, that you do not have to be a financial victim. Say that. Say, I will not be a financial victim. Mm -mm. I'm standing here in this pulpit today to tell you there is a way out for you. There is a way ahead of you. Abraham learned it, walked in it, and proved it. And Isaac and Jacob, they saw what their father and grandfather did, and they realized, my goodness, this thing works. And they celebrated the revelation of the covenant. Praise God. Now, we see what happened to Abraham. Let's look what happened to Isaac. We are now going to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, and let's just begin there in verse 1. Verse 1, there was a famine. Say that word, famine. Mm. Send shivers up the spines of many people that live 
in nations where they have felt the anguish and pain of that. Kelly's father, William O'Hart, came over, immigrated from Ireland to America. Why? why Pastor Stephen, why did he immigrate many years back? He's in heaven now. Why? Why did he immigrate? They just had some bad, bad memories and bad taste of the potato famine. The potato famine. Let me tell you, there's nothing fun about starvation. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Look, you cannot avoid economic shakings. You cannot avoid the fact that our political leaders may make very unwise decisions that have just, you know, bad consequences. What, what is another definition of wisdom? I've talked about wisdom often. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Uh, wisdom is the ability to know which way to go. But wisdom is also the, it's the ability to anticipate a consequence. In other words, if we do this, that's probably going to cause that to happen. Yes, you're right. That's called wisdom. But to do stupid stuff and to think we can do this, oh, oh, but we won't have any inflation. No, no, that's, that's, that's a lack of wisdom. And it can even be exercised, such lack of wisdom, even amongst those that would have national platforms to do so. So, <laughs> so what does stuff like that cause? It causes, it could cause uh, consequences that could result in a famine. Famines are not only just a result of not enough rain or some kind of a crop failure. There can be other, other things that are influencing this. So there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Do not be afraid of famine or anything or any kind of anything. Don't be afraid. God is covenant keeping God. Stay with him. You're going to go through it and you're going to be exempted from all the pains and the pressures and even failings that will touch the lives of others that are not in covenant. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now, uh, the Philistines had five kings. They were actually all called Abimelech. So these five kings, they would counsel, they would talk, and they had a confederation, like a unity where they would go fight together and so forth because they're one united, small ethnic uh, uh, state. But the, the, don't think that Abimelech had a solution for this. They're, they're, they're being hit and they're being hurt by this famine. And for them, they're just like, well, what can we do? This is a, this is a problem that we cannot solve on a natural realm. It just cannot be solved. Verse 2, Then the Lord appeared to him and said, he's talking to uh, Isaac, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you, dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Hmm. Like his father, we understand that Isaac is also a covenant man. These are things that his father taught him about covenant and how to walk with God, honor God, and please him. So he stayed in the land. We can see that. But my friends, nothing, nothing changed for Isaac. The famine didn't go away. Nothing changed. The Philistines are suffering. Abimelech needs somebody to bring him a, another glass of uh, cold iced tea. He's suffering. They're all suffering over there. But not, even with Isaac, nothing changed for him 
until he went out there and he did what? He sowed seed. Mm -mm. Do not, do not think that your unsaved brother-in-law is going to advise you to do what we're talking about today. Do not think that your unsaved financial advisor is going to advise you to do what we're talking about today. This is covenant talk to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And if you're not born again, you cannot catch the revelation of it. This is, this is, these are kingdom mysteries unveiled for our, not only survival, but for our thriving and for our success in the end times in which we live. You are not destined ever to be a victim. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer and you do that through not hoping and a wishing. You do it through, through exercise of covenant principle. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's find out what uh, Isaac got busy doing and what happened. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. No need to be sitting around. Everybody's starving. Everybody's thirsty. No need to be sitting around when you know what to do. You don't need to have an angel show up and tickle your ear with a pink feather and say, this, this, this is what you need to do. Yep. You have revelation from the word. We know what to do. Then Isaac sowed in that land. And reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. What in the world must the Philistines and the Philistine farmers, these are agrarian type societies where they are dependent upon farming. What in the world must the Philistines thought when they saw this, this uh, man Isaac out there sowing seed in this dry, barren land. And the weathermen have said, there's, there's no rain in sight. There is no wind. I, I'm here on the six o'clock. Do you used to say there's no wind uh, to this famine that we're going through? The weather is not bringing any relief. What in the world must they have thought when they saw that man out there sowing seed? They must have thought, He's going to starve for sure because what he has left, he's actually, he's actually sowing it. And they're thinking, oh, his demise will be for sure. But no, no, the Lord blessed him. That year he reaped a hundredfold. Now, now, get ready for a verse. Verse 13, you may want to, may, you may want to tighten and strap on your seatbelt because I want you to identify with this next verse. The man we know it's the man Isaac. You may want to put your name in there if you consider yourself a genuine, authentic, covenant-keeping man or woman of God. The man began to prosper. Oh, Lord, this verse is so charged that if I could have gone back in time uh, uh, 40, 45 years ago in, in the little bitty country church that I grew up in, and if my pastor at that time, his name was Pastor Rich, R-I-C-H. If he would have stood up and read that verse 13 and said, this is our inheritance, the church would have risen up. They would have risen him up and uh, they would have taken him out of the church and thrown him off the cliff. That's how ignorant we were of the covenant. Oh, oh, we had the covenant of salvation. Oh, oh, we love Jesus. But thank God we didn't have a famine. Every single one of us, including Pastor Rich, we all would have died of starvation. Why? Nobody knew covenant. Nobody knew how to work with God when things go wildly out of control. 
Mm -hmm. You don't need to be calling on your government. Can I have some more free peanut butter? Can I have another free block of cheese? You need to be giving cheese and peanut butter away yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be looking. Somebody help me. Government, government, state funds. Somebody help me. No, 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 no. It's, it's not what a man receives that makes the man. It's what the man gives that makes the man. Woo, praise God. Shake yourself today and rise up and say, I'm going to be a contributor, not just a constant consumer. Mm, there is a place for consuming. You have to eat. <laughs> You're going to need to shop every now and then. But my friends, we must not be consuming minded. We must be contributing minded. Hallelujah. Not just until the household of God, the household of faith, but also to those that we can witness to by the love and mercy of God through our giving. How many of you know that the good Samaritan would not be celebrated today the way he is if all he had was good intentions. No, he celebrated because he had some money and he used it. Woo, praise the Lord. That's the kind of person that not only the church celebrates, but the world says, yeah, we can identify with that. That's something special there. Mm -hmm. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let's try to get through verse 13. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, oh, oh, don't read that. Oh, Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I'm just a hobo preacher. I, I'm, I'm poor. No, 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 my friends, read the Bible and remember that Jesus is Jewish. Hallelujah. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus did not look down on his nose at that scripture. Jesus celebrated the scripture. He's the one that inspired inspired Isaac to experience this type of walk, covenant walk. Mm. You can, you can um, warp any scripture by taking it out of context. That scripture, when Jesus said, uh, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and, you know, foxes have uh, uh, holes in the ground and birds got nests. So I don't have anywhere. The meeting that he was going to in that city, the, the elders of the city said, we do not want him coming here. And they canceled his ability to go into the city. Well, what are you going to do 2000 years ago? Check into the holiday inn, go across the street and say, well, apostles, we're going to have to sleep in the Hilton tonight because they don't want me to preach there. They've rejected me. No, the, you didn't have stuff like that. So basically you roll out your sleeping bag and uh, you have a little meal around the campfire and on to the next city, you go to the next day. Mm -mm. But let us not twist and warp scripture because we are wearing some kind of rose colored religious doctrinal glasses that have produced really, really unbiblical theology. Mm -mm. Somebody's getting delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Somebody who went to seminary uh, is getting delivered. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. 
the man began to prosper. Put your name in there. We know it's referring to Isaac. Put your name in there. The man, or if you're a lady, the woman, that's you. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Who's lifting him up? God. God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, he's one lucky man. He's what's one lucky preacher. This has nothing to do with luck, especially in a famine. This has nothing to do with luck. This has nothing to do with being daddy's boy. This has nothing to do with, oh, you're from the seed of Abraham. You've got his genetics. This has nothing to do with that. This has nothing to do with skin color. This has nothing to do with anything like that. This is a man that is working the covenant. He's working the covenant. What is the covenant? In times of famine, you better start sowing. And the world says in times of famine, you better pull back and hold it as tight as you've got because now we've got to hold on for survival. Mm -mm. And the kingdom of God is a complete 180. Mm. You overcome every famine by working these principles of walking in covenant and by listening to the wisdom and the direction of God because there's always a way out. For every single child of God, there's always a way out. Praise the Lord. Isaac, he became great because he operated God's covenant of abundance. Isaac escaped the financial frustration and the financial humiliation that the Philistines experienced. We do need to be aware of our environment. If there is a recession, if there's a, a depression, if there is a, a bubble that's burst or whatever it might be, we need to be aware of those types of things, but we must focus, primarily focus on the covenant and practicing the covenant and walking in instructions from God. In doing so, we will never be victims and we will never be stranded. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so verse 14, Isaac, he goes on. He's now got great possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, a great number of servants. So the Philistines were all jealous and they envied him. See the Philistines, they'll, 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 they'll do everything except do what he did. Mm. Now they're jealous. That's not fair. That's not fair that that's no, no, no. We now who are in Christ. We believers who are in Christ, whether we're former Gentiles or whatever, whatever your nationality might be, when you're in Christ, you are now tied into the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. And you can work these same principles and they will lift you too. Hallelujah. The only thing is the Philistines are not going to do that. Why? Because you have to do it in faith. You sow in famine, in faith, and they don't understand what faith is. They're not covenant. They're not God's people. So they don't understand faith. And not only that, they don't understand the, the principles of this. The, the, it doesn't make any sense to them. And so they'll sit back and they'll watch and they'll criticize. But then suddenly when it works, because it will, then they're like, oh, oh, that's not, that's not right. And then they write articles and papers, write articles on the Internet, post this, post that. Scoffers, scoffers, doubters, powders, and the do withouters. Hmm. Hallelujah. But my friends, your rising is secured even in times of famine when you lock in with God as a covenant child. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 41. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, hallelujah. 
We're now over in Genesis chapter 41. And uh, this may sound a little bit like a, a tape recorder or a CD player that we're going to replay it again. But get ready to this. Uh, get ready. Here we go in verse 56. Verse 56. The famine was over all the face of the earth. Oh, oh, uh, Pastor Stephen, not another one. I, I can't take another one. No, in Christ, you can take anything that comes. Because when you're on that covenant, there's nothing that can break the covenant. Nothing. God made a covenant with day and night. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you never know. That could fall apart at any time. No, it's never going to fall apart. It is never going to fall apart. And every, uh, every so many hours, day and night, exchange place. And there's no politician. There's no atheist. There is no committee. There is no team at the UN that is ever going to break the covenant that God made with day and night where those two things are not changing place. Switching. Can't stop it. There's nobody on the earth. There's nobody in the universe that can stop it. God made covenant and it's going to keep on happening. And when you come in the covenant with God, the covenant is just as sure as that covenant between day and night. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Genesis 41 verse 56, the famine. You can't run away from famines. Well, I'm going to leave this country. And I'm going to go to that one. Well, maybe they're having one over there too, <laughs> or maybe they're not. But when you get there, one starts to happen. What do you do? You have to know how to respond. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. We're talking, we're talking of, of mega difficult times. We're talking about, we're going to find out who the men are and who the boys are. We're going to find out who the champions really are. And I'll tell you something else. We're going to find out who the true believers really are. Mm -mm. Because when stuff gets tough, when stuff really gets tough, you'll find out who really is a covenant child and will not come off that covenant. Praise God. Glory to God. Now, the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. All right. So we have another extremely difficult situation. Are you going to live or are you going to die? Are you going to survive or are you going to thrive? Are you going to get, are you going to get pulverized? Are you going to be victimized? Are you going to be a conqueror and, and validate the truth of God's word before many witnesses by the life that you live? That others can see. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's find out. Genesis chapter 42, verse 1. When Jacob, remember Abraham, Isaac, now we have Jacob. When Jacob saw, you, you can't help it that you hear about it on the news. You need to be aware. Okay, that's all right. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there. Did Jacob say, boys, go down there and uh, let them know that we need a government handout. Boys, go down there and beg. Maybe, maybe the king down there, maybe old Pharaoh will give us a, a block of cheddar cheese. We can take it home and we'll slice up real small slashes. We'll all spread it around amongst us and our children. And hopefully we won't die. Boys, go on down there. If we're extra, if we're extra kind now to the government officials, maybe they'll give us, um, who knows, maybe some cans of spam. Hmm. Well, 
Is that what your Bible says? No. And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy, buy, not beg, buy for us there that we may live and not die. God has no plan for you to die. I mean, eventually you live your life out. Yes, an end will come, but uh, not, not prematurely. Hallelujah. And certainly not by starvation. You will not starve. Not only will you not starve, you will prevent others from starving. Why? You're a covenant person. We don't need to be rescued. We're rescuing others. We are the ones that are doing the rescuing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 43. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 43. Let's take a look at verse 11. And their father Israel, uh, this is Jacob, said to them, to his sons, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits. Remember the famine. The famine is raging. It's going to go for seven years. It's raging. And their father said to them, take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels. Carry down a present for the man. Now we know that that man is actually Joseph who is disguising his identity from his brethren. Joseph is one of the most beautiful symbolic types and shadows in the Old Testament of Christ, our Savior and our elder brother. Praise God. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Now watch this. You can see already he's got some reserves, right? He's got, he's got reserves. He has enough extra to send these very wonderful spices and myrrh. Myrrh at that time was very, very expensive. Pistachio nuts, all these wonderful things. And he says, take double money in your hand. Why, uh, why double? Because what happens when uh, something that's beyond the control of a government, where things get so bad, we see what has happened in other nations previously around the world. And I'm not saying this is going to happen to America. I'm just saying, regardless, you can be prepared for anything that when there is inflation and if inflation goes out of control, then eventually you have hyperinflation. I don't think we're going to have hyperinflation, but when things like that do happen, uh, food prices, they can actually double. They can double overnight and gas prices that were once $2 a gallon. Now they're $4 a gallon and uh, a gallon of milk that once cost $2 and 50 cents now cost $7. And uh, the, you start going what in the world is going on at the supermarkets? All the prices of food is going up and the price of that is going up. That's called inflation. What does that mean? It means your, your money is decreasing in value. Your currency is decreasing. So you need, you need more of that paper stuff, right? <laughs> so he says, take double. <laughs> Uh, we know the famine's going on and we know that money is basically being devalued in a sense. So, you know, uh, take double money in your hand. Where did he get that from? Where did he get all these reserves from? You know, pistachios and almonds and uh, honey and uh, balm and, and all these uh, beautiful, wonderful things and double money. Not, not just take a few uh, dollar bills on there. Double 
money? Hmm. Oh, and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Well, it wasn't an oversight, but they're trying to figure out what's going on, this strange behavior of this uh, governor down there in uh, Egypt who's doing all of these under, unusual things. And uh, all Jacob can think is that this doesn't make any sense. That must have been a mistake. Take that money back too. Three times, three times the money that showed up is going back. Where in the world, where is he getting the ability to do these types of things in a famine. I'll tell you why. Because of what Abraham taught Isaac, what Isaac taught Jacob, these are covenant keeping people. These are men that even when famines worsen and become severe, they have become expert in knowing what to do through divine revelation of God's word in times of famine, in times of financial Distress. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. My friends, you must go up. You must rise to a higher place. Why? So that you're, you're not feeling the tension or the strain that others are, are feeling as, let's say, gas prices go up. And I, mean, I mean, sometimes the way people talk about gas prices, uh, you would think it was $100 a gallon or something like that. But you're talking about people that they're basically, they're, they're in fear. And they don't know how to deal with this. So they're trying to hoard. They're trying to hold back. They're trying to utilize as little resources as they can while they're in survivor mode. And we haven't had any really what we would call uh, difficult shakings. You know, God's still holding this country together despite many of the crazy things that are done uh, that would, uh, that could cause major repercussions. God is still holding this nation together. And in many ways, he's holding these other various nations around the world together so that I believe there's a great harvest coming of souls. And uh, so the Lord is sometimes he'll override natural things because he has a higher spiritual purpose. And I see God having mercy upon this nation. Praise the Lord. But my friends, we must know how to respond in these types of situations. We see it clearly with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These people were experts of knowing how to get through famines and difficult times. That is all riding on the covenant platform. We do see some other examples in the Bible. Let me just share a couple of more with you. I want to share two very quickly. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, a day in the life of Elisha the prophet. Praise God. I dare say that in the midst of these famines, these economic uncertainties, that the church is rising to the top. There is going to be explosion of millionaires and multimillionaires within the body of Christ with some who are very humble in the sight of God, but who are sold out completely to God's word and, and the integrity of God's word. There are some that God will even lift to billionaire, multi-billionaire status, all for his glory and for his kingdom cause. Now, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2, uh, we have a situation where uh, this precious woman, her husband has died. He was a prophet, but he died, and he was in debt. And now the creditors that are like ravenous wolves, they are making demands that this debt still be paid. Because back in those days, it didn't matter if you died. Uh, somebody's still going to have to pay the debt. So now they're going after the two sons and, uh, th you know, you can only imagine the stress that's calling, that's uh, uh, being placed upon the mother. So she goes to the prophet 
Elisha. Now verse 2, get ready for this. Get ready for this. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? She, she needs a miracle, right? What shall I do for you? She needs what kind of a miracle? She needs a money miracle. Hmm. What shall I do for you? And then look what he says. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she probably, because I know how a lot of Christians think. She probably thought, well, what does that have to do with anything? What do I have in my house? Uh, I just thought you would pray and do a miracle, right? <laughs> right? Uh, well, Pastor Stephen, the reason that Abraham had all that wealth and gold and silver and all this livestock was because he just prayed and God answered his prayer and gave him a whole bunch of wealth. You now know that's not true. You know that he was a man of prayer, but the reason he came into that, why? He was a covenant man that was a giver even during times of famine. Wow. And it is a paradox. And we know the same thing with Isaac. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, you know, he just lifted up a prayer and God heard the prayer and poured down blessing upon him. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's not like you just take a pill and drink some water and poof. Oh, there it all is. No, you have to practice the covenant. And that's what happened to Isaac. He worked the covenant. He did what? He sowed. He sowed. When? In severe famine. <laughs> and reaped a harvest and became extremely prosperous. He went from blessed to prosperous to more prosperous to where everybody's just like, everybody sees it. And it's all for the glory of God. Mm -mm -mm. So she's thinking, well, what do you mean I've got, what do I have in my house? What does that have to do with anything? Oh, it has to have, uh, has everything to do with you just not being a spectator of the kingdom, but a participator of the kingdom. And you're never going to learn these things unless you step in, and start doing it. And so he says to her, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house, but a jar of oil. Oh, so this is something she's hiding. Oh well, yeah. Why? Oh, just, you know, just another financial uh, distressing situation. <laughs> just like what happens in a lot of, in the lives of a lot of people. And you're going to need, you're going to need a solution. You're going to need to know what to do. Hallelujah. When famine would try to creep into your life, you're going to need to know what to do. And she has now revealed actually her secret to the way out. She didn't want to. She's actually kept this in reserve. This is like her last meal. Hmm. Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And that's, that's, that's all you need. You have to, you're going to have to have something that you can put into the hand of God for God to work with. And sometimes, uh, and so often really, it's not even about the, the, the quantity as it is about what do you actually have and the quality of it. Because it may not be big, but it may be all you have. Therefore, it means a tremendous amount to you. And by the way, you've probably noticed this. If it doesn't mean much to you, don't think it's going to mean a lot to him. Because he's smarter than that. You cannot con God. You cannot trick God. You cannot give God, say, God, I'm going to give you my most sacred offering and pull a pair of old dirty, stinky tennis shoes out of your closet and say, Lord, I'm going to take this down to the Goodwill store and I'm going to bless some needy child. No, no, no. They don't want your dirty, stinky shoes just like you don't want the dirty, stinky shoes. Throw those in the trash can and you have to give something that moves you. If it doesn't move you, it will never, absolutely never move God. 
That is why we do see in Psalm 126 that there can be tears involved in sowing. Why? Oh, it moves you. You're like, Lord, this is all, there's a, there is so much writing on this. Ah, but they reaped in joy. Amen. And that's what's going on with her. But she obeys the instruction. Okay. So this works by covenant principle, covenant principle that we are learning about giving. And it also is associated with, you must listen to the Lord and get the direction of what he wants you to do. And she does that. And thus we have verse seven. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. So she goes from a place of being impoverished in debt in great distress now to a place she's got the debt paid off and she's got a lot left over. And now she has, she has real reserves, not just a little bitty meal. Okay. A little bit of oil or something like that. No, she's blessed now. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have got to know what to do in these types of times in these days in which we are living. One more first Kings chapter 17. Let us take a look in the day in the life of the prophet Elijah. Praise God. First Kings chapter 17, verse 12. Hallelujah. We have another famine. So this little lady, the widow of Zarephath is down to hardly anything. One last little tiny meal. Uh, actually, we look at verse 10. Prophet says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Well, it hasn't rained. <laughs> How about that? No rain for three years, for over three years. There's hardly anywhere you could live in the world where if it did not rain for th over three years, you would not have devastating consequences and effects from that. Everybody's feeling this, but there's a way out. There's always a way out for the person that will keep covenant. You don't have to die. You don't have to be another statistic down at the mortuary or down at the cemetery. You can get through this in victory. Praise God. So she's going to go get the water. And he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And that touched the last little restraint that she had. It touched the nerve. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Mm. She thinks that's going to be the last meal. And if she would have eaten it, and disobeyed God, it would have been, and she would have added to the statistics of those who died in the famine. But she operated the covenant. She gave when? In famine. She gave something precious in famine, and then she obeyed the instruction that God gave. And verse 15 thus results. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate. For many days the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. They're over there eating, having flapjacks and Canadian maple syrup for breakfast every day. And then at night they're having uh, uh, pita bread and uh, falafels. And, oh, they're just having a good time. Hallelujah. And everybody else is out there starving, eating bark off of trees and eating shoe leather and thinking, oh, God has abandoned me. No, no, no. You abandoned the covenant. 
you willfully walked in ignorance and scoffed at it and despised it. And now when times are hard, you don't know what to do. Mm -mm. But I know I'm speaking to the remnant. I know I'm speaking to 7,000 that have never bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed him the abominable idol. I know that I'm speaking to those that put all of their hope and trust in the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's close this out. First Timothy chapter four, first Timothy chapter four, verse seven, but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Okay. There is an exercise that goes beyond push-ups, dips, Squats, lunges, ab crunches, this, that, and the other. <laughs> There's an exercise that you can do towards godliness. And by the way, this is the type of exercise that really proves profitable uh, when the gym has actually gone into foreclosure because they couldn't pay the note to the bank. This is something that will take you way beyond that. Not knocking exercise. There's a place for it. But even as Paul says, verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little. So it's not useless, but it's not something you would want to put too much time towards in because it's a, that's only a little bit of profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is, so we need that, and of that which is to come. Praise God. Now, I want to talk about this exercise towards godliness because... I think anybody would realize that if you saw a guy walk by with big muscles, um, even if he's uh, popping some drugs, he shouldn't be popping. Even if he's doing uh, the dirty stuff, let's say steroids or something like that. Uh, even those guys in those circles, they know it, it doesn't matter that how many pills you take or how, uh, how much stuff you're going to put into your body. Uh, you're not going to get muscles like that just off pills, potions, lotions, injections, or whatever it might be. And I think, of course, all that stuff is a dark, grungy world that I don't want anything to do. I, by the way, I don't like needles of any kind. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, especially dirty ones injecting things into your body that are very, very harmful. But let me say this. It would be really, really ignorant to say that that person got that type of physique just because he took a pill or just because he's lucky or because he has good genetics. No, no, no. The person got like that because they spend two or three hours in the gym every single day, seven days a week. And if any person, no matter how frail you might be or weakling you might be, if you went to the gym and you start hitting the weights, Probably not going to see much happen for two or three weeks, but give it four months, give it eight months, give it two years, and it's shocking the transformation that can take place. But to stand back and to see such a transformation and you say, oh, no, that, that's, just, that's just luck. You're just drinking something. No, no. Face the reality. They are working. They are exercising. My friends in the kingdom, face the reality. Don't look at preachers like Kenneth Copeland. Don't look at a preacher like myself or others and say, oh, oh, that just works for them because they're preachers. No, no. I hear people criticize Kenneth Copeland all the time, and I, I, am, I never it back. If I ever hear somebody uh, criticize Kenneth Copeland, I always stand up for him. I say, no, I'm in agreement with him. I side with him. And you may not like me, but I don't agree with you. You're jealous. 
Jealous, jealous, jealous like the Philistines. <laughs> Woo. But to stand back and look at those men and say, oh, they, they got that money by taking it from the people. They got that money just by, because by, they're on TV or this or that or the other. And it's just all excuses, just as it is to say to the, the developed person with the physique, oh, that's just luck. You get, no, no, they exercise. And those guys that are blessed, they have been in the giving gym. My wife and I, we're in the giving gym. We don't just preach it. We endeavor it to live it. We're working out and tithing and we're giving and we're sowing seed. And when the Holy Spirit connects our heart to something, we do our best to be able to do the best that we can to move towards that. And this ministry is a blessing ministry. Praise God in the ways in which we take the gospel to the nations, but in the ways also which we don't talk about so much, but which at times we bring relief to those that the Holy Spirit would highlight, do something to relieve their suffering. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You have to get into the giving gym. There's gold's gym if you want to build the muscles, but there's the giving gym if you want to practice covenant, practice covenant, practice. That's why this is so important in life and in the world to come. <laughs> oh, Pastor Stephen in the millennium, They'll all understand this. Nobody understands anything if they're not taught. There's nobody just popped out of their mother's womb and they just somehow knew everything about the kingdom of God. No, no, you have to be taught. They're not going to know it in the millennium just because they're living in the millennium. There has to be those that teach. Who will be qualified to teach? Those who lived it on the earth in, in these earth years before the thousand year reign of Christ will ever commence. Praise God. That will qualify you to rule and reign in the world to come. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Jesus. So what's, what's the takeaway? We should be covenant practitioners. We should not just look at the life of Abraham and say, oh, that worked for him. We should practice it too. We shouldn't just look at Jacob and say, wow, that dude's wild. That's some crazy stuff to sow in famine. No, we should say, oh, that's the way out. That's the covenant key. Yes. And if I ever feel any heat from famine coming on me, what is the response? You better start finding a way to give. That's your way out. Mm -mm. And yes, let wisdom come in. Let God show you also how you're to walk that out. But yes, work covenant principles. Exercise the covenant. Pastor Stephen, I want you to know. I'm going to write you a special email. I want you to know that in the year of 1972, I gave a very sacred offering. Well, that's nice. That's nice. But what if you only went to the gym? What was the last time you went to the gym it was 1972? Hmm? Are you in shape? Can you lift heavy weights when you've only been in the gym since 1972? No, no, we, we, we would say stuff like that's crazy. But yet in the church, people think somehow, oh, we just... We just, we're going we're to say a prayer and God will lift us over all of it. There are some covenant principles in the Bible that don't respond well to prayer. It's like trying to fix something with a screwdriver when the only way you can fix that is with the wrench. So you've got the wrong kingdom tool. This, this situation doesn't respond to prayer, although you can still pray about it, but you know, that God would work smoothly in this area, but this area responds to exercise of the covenant principles, giving in harvest, excuse me, giving in famine, reaping in famine. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. I want to encourage you in whatever way the Holy Spirit is leading you right now. 
to never abandon or forsake God's giving gym. You need to be in the gym, working out, working out, doing your thing, exercising these covenant principles. And when famine comes, you won't even be afraid. You'll be like, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. What my spiritual forefathers did, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know exactly what to do. And you'll not only survive, you will become prosperous. You will be lifted up and you'll be a person that many will come to you and ask you, how in the world are you doing this? How in such a time like this of famine, are you actually increasing? What's going on? Uh, why is it that others are laying off and you're hiring? How, how, is, how are these types of things possible? Covenant. Covenant practice of these biblical principles. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching that the weapons of spiritual warfare be placed in their hands. Weapons of kingdom revelation of uh, a key father doesn't look like much of a weapon, but a key can open a door to an armory of resources and materials. And these keys are being placed into the hands of your people to always know what to do for sweatless victory. Now, father, we give you praise. I thank you that as we're in this new year, there are, there is great anticipation and there should be, but father, while we have great anticipation, we're not just sitting back expecting somehow that we just throw a prayer up and just everything just begins to blossom somehow automatically. Father, we know that we have to be practitioners of the covenant. We must, we must be givers consistently. Thank you, Father. We must be ready to respond. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We thank you for breakthroughs, breakthroughs, breakthroughs that are coming. Great lifting this year of your people. Great liftings this year of your people. Hallelujah. And Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Pastor Stephen, how do I respond to a message like this? You sit down and you say, Lord, now if you're feeling the effects of famine and you, and you sense the uh, the, uh, the approach of famine that would try to merge into or come, uh, step into your territory, say, Lord, show me what to do. I know what to do. I know that when there's famine, that means so, because I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop it through, through covenant practice. But then you sit down and say, Lord, how, where, what amount? And the Holy Spirit then will begin to speak to you. One more time, lift your hands. Father, bless your people with kingdom wealth through covenant practice. Thank you, Father, for speaking to them, leading them, and guiding them, and showing them what they are to do. To not only to avoid disaster, to divert negative circumstances, but also to go to the high places that you have called them to go into to make the impact for your kingdom that they are destined to. To fulfill. Now we thank you. This is the time of your people's lifting. We give you all the credit and all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you're watching today's program and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today can be your day of salvation. 
If you're ready to get your life right with God, and I know that you are, the Holy Spirit has intrigued you, and Jesus is drawing you to himself. Therefore, right now, pray this prayer from your heart. Pray it to, to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn from sin, and I ask you now, come into my heart. Save me. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I take you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. My friends, the Lord has heard that prayer. You now belong to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us lift our hands and praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, God is so concerned about our well-being. God is so concerned about our deliverance and our freedom and our overcoming. Hallelujah. Every trial. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. We are going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes back, we're going to keep proclaiming his death. Why? It's through his death that he has purchased everything that we now have the privilege of walking in and experiencing. And he has risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of almighty God, our father. I have some grape juice and a little wafer in my cup. Take yours, put your hand on it. Let's pray over it. Father, we bless the bread, the juice. We sanctify it. That is, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, when we see it with our natural eyes, we still see a little wafer and we see grape juice. But we thank you that it is the body and the blood of Christ in the mysterious form, veiled. It's, it's the, the body and blood is veiled through the mysterious element of bread and juice. So, Father, thank you for the body and the blood. Father, as we receive the Lord's body. We thank you that you want us to live the full length of our days. Lord, let there be long life. Let there be long life. Let there be rich, abundant life. We thank you for health and prosperity. We thank you, Father, for a deep walk with you. And we thank you, Father God, that you've provided a solution to every problem that humanity could ever face, including famine, economic famine, even physical famine. Father, we celebrate your truths because there have been even some of your own precious saints that starved during times of famine because they did not know what to do. So that we thank you for the end time church. You are unveiling these truths for our ascension to the top to rule in a way that influences people for your righteousness, for salvation, and for glory that all goes to you. Father, we receive now the flesh of Jesus in his name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Well, Father, we thank you for the grape juice. 
We thank you we receive the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus all through our minds, all through our souls, all through our brains, all through the cellular material of our brains. We thank you for a sanctified memory with the blood of Jesus going through every memory and removing any poisonous memories to where they, they don't sting anymore. Any unpleasant memories, they, they have no bite. The sting is taken away. We thank you for the blood of Jesus saturating our mind, our brain, our bodies. We thank you also for cleansing from all unrighteousness, forgiveness from all sins. We give you all of the praise and we celebrate, Father, the blood of Jesus. Oh, thank you. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive his blood. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Everything is going to be just fine in your life. I'm, I'm getting the, the fragrance of vanilla. What does vanilla represent? Supernaturally, it represents that things are all right between you and the Lord. And everything is stable and solid, secure, and calm. Amen. So walk in that deep peace of God and trust the Lord. And just as the moon will come out tonight and will exchange places with the sun, and the sun will come up in the morning, just as that covenant is eternal and sure, so are all of God's covenants when we keep them and do our part. Hallelujah. What is a covenant? It is a deal between two people based on well-defined terms. And when we agree to meet those terms, then the covenant is joined and bound by an oath. And thus God is then obligated to perform the word he spoke. So as long as we do our part, the covenant is intact and it is a sure thing. My friends, thank you for watching today. Walk in covenant. I'll see you back next time.